the John F. Kennedy Assassinations Records Act has come to an end. I imagine that is not sitting quite well with Larry Schnapp, a New York lawyer who has filed a federal lawsuit against President Biden and the National Archives demanding the release of the still classified assassination documents. Larry, thanks so much for joining me on the radio again. Thank you. Good morning. Larry, um, tell us, the, the president, president said through this statement that 99% of documents related to the assassination have already been released. Let's start with that. Is that accurate? We have no way of knowing uh, the way the government keeps its records. Uh, you know, I asked the, the man who's uh, the president of the Mary Farrell Foundation, which ha- runs the, um, <clears throat> the leading private uh, database for the Kennedy records, um, and he's, they're the plaintiff in our lawsuit. Um, I asked him if that number was accurate, and he says there's no way to tell. It's just the way the government keeps the records. Um, it, it, you know, and, and that's only the records that are in the collection. Part of our lawsuit is that there are still thousands of records which are not been put into the collection, which we are trying to get the government to, um, to, to disclose. So that number, I would say, is inaccurate. Um, there's still, you know, the government doesn't even know how many pages they have. They estimate they had 5 million pages, but that's just an estimate they did on the back of the envelope. So it, it really, um, I would, I would, um, I don't, I don't think there's much veracity in that statement. What documents are still secret or what types of documents are still secret that we know about? What's what do we know is out there that's unknown? What are the known unknowns? Well, the known unknowns, we know, for example, that uh, there's uh, about 50 records relating to the man that was behind uh, this this, uh, CIA agent, uh, Joe Anides, who I know you're familiar with. Um, he was the one that was running the one of the Cuban exile groups in New Orleans, the one that had the confrontation with uh, Oswald um, in August of 1963 when Oswald was seen handing out flyers uh, for pro-Castro, um, hands-off Cuba. Um, <clears throat> the, Mr. Um, Gian- Gianides had actually... Um, been the liaison to the House Select Assassinations Committee, and they didn't know that he was a former, that he was the guy that uh, was actually in charge of DRE, the the exile group, when he was liaisoning with the uh, House Select Assassinations Committee. And when they asked him, did they know who ran the group, he said no. So uh, both the House Select Assassinations Committee and the Assassination Review Board that was uh, operating in the 90s both were lied to by the CIA about this man's particular um, background. Um, there are still documents and testimony from, say, the Church Committee, and also the um, the House Select Assassinations Committee, which are not in the record. Uh, if you look at, um, there was a book, what we call Book Five of the Church Commission Committee records, which was a separate study done on the performance of the intelligence community. Um, in association with the with the assassination of President Kennedy, there are footnotes to documents that are, not, and we can't find these documents. In addition, um, there are outstanding search record search requests that were made by the review board before they went out of business in 1998, asking the CIA, 
the FBI and the JFK Library, for example, to get to search for more records, and those have never been turned up. Um, in fact, when I think I may have mentioned this to you when I spoke to you last um, about um, Walter Sheridan, that when he w- he was an aide to Bobby Kennedy, and when he was asked for his records, instead of turning them over, he drove up to the Kennedy Library in Boston, grabbed his records, drove down to New York, and gave them to NBC. <clears throat> NBC had hired him in 1968 to go over the in 67 to go to review um, the Garrison trial, and the Garrison trial was the uh, sort of the centerpiece of of the um, movie JFK. Um, Jim Garrison was the one that was played by Kevin Costner. Right, right. that was the he was the New Orleans district attorney. If people right, know. right. So he takes these records and he gives them to NBC and NBC just uh, declines to give them to the government. And the ARB was actually in a process of suing uh, the Sheridan estate to get these records when it ran out of business. Um, There are tapes of Carlos Marcello, who uh, many believe uh, was the was the one that was behind the assassination. He was a, a leading mafia person in New Orleans and probably was the one person in the mafia who could operate without any um, approval from the commission. Um, He allegedly confessed in jail um, to a cellmate who was an FBI informant, and those tapes have not been turned over. Uh, We have transcripts, but we don't know if the transcripts are, you know, the entirety of the conversation. So we know there are records out there of testimony. And then, of course, the other problem is there are lots of names of people uh, only a fraction of the witnesses who who have knowledge about the events leading up to the assassination uh, were ever interviewed by the various government agencies. We have people that were witnesses to the assassination, but there are lots of people that had information leading up to the assassination, and only a fraction of them have been interviewed. And the policy of the FBI and the CIA is to not release their names until they're dead. And that doesn't help us researchers because we can't get their information. Sure. Um, Larry and people just in, we're talking with Larry Schnapp. He's an attorney who has uh, been very active in the cause of getting these documents released to the public. What uh, what does this executive order from President Biden do to your lawsuit? And what's the next step in sort of the legal battle to get these documents released? Well, we're we're alleging that the president um, in his prior executive orders did not comply with the with the act when he allowed records to be postponed. Um, This order is (laughs) it was it was filed the day after we filed our reply brief. Um, We we filed a motion for injunctive relief. We have a hearing next week on uh, Thursday, the 13th um, in the district court in the northern district of California. And um, uh, so we, we believe. One, that he um, has violated the act by allowing records to be um, postponed. Number two, um, he's basically said no mas, that he's finished. Uh, He's abdicating his authority under the act, which is what he did Friday night. And the act says that the act, you know, the law remains in effect until all of the assassination records have been made available to the American public. He's basically saying, I have no more role. Future presidents have no more role. 
and now they're going to be reviewed. Any records that have been postponed are going to be reviewed by the same national security bureaucrats who caused this problem in the first place by, you know, obstructing and engaging in delays. Um, So now he's saying that these uh, records that are being withheld, and again, these are the records in the collection. This doesn't deal with the records outside the collection. Um, Pursuant to, they would be released pursuant to transparency plans, which I call secrecy plans. Um, These are a wish list of the CIA and other agencies uh, for events to occur before these records are released. These records, the the transparency plans, um, the events and the conditions that they have for releasing the documents oftentimes contain criteria that are not in the statute. In other words, they would allow postponement when the statute would not. Wow. And so um, the and so and, and the president under the statute has a non-delegable duty. He has the sole power to make this decision. Instead, he's now handing this power over to the intelligence community to review their own wish list. Um, and some of the conditions, like one of the conditions is that um, if the record involves information from a foreign country, with whom we have a national security arrangement with, um, that information won't be released until the national security arrangement ceases to exist. Now, what kind of national security arrangement could that apply to? Uh, NATO. Oh, so, sure. Yeah. Right? I mean, so uh, unless we withdraw from NATO, then that's <laughs> those records. Right. Or NATO, get, or NATO gets, uh, yeah, well, you know, we almost did last time. But uh, um, and then the other thing is the National Archives. Uh, the other defendant in the case is the National Archives. And they said um, they were the successor in function. When they, in, in 2000, they published a rule when they were transferring the regulations of the ARB, the Record Review Board, the regulations they used to determine if a record was an assassination record. Well, since they went out of business, the National Archives moved the regs of, from, the, from the review board into their section of the Federal Register Code. And they said they were doing that because they were the successor in function to the review board. And yet they have done nothing since the review board went out of business, even though they entered into a memorandum of understanding with the CIA and the FBI to continue to pursue the outstanding search requests. They have done nothing despite the fact they said they were the successor in function in 20 years. The only thing they've done is... Um, uh, <laughs> collude in the postponement now of five times. President Trump did it twice. President Biden has now postponed the records three times, and he's now also said, I'm done. This is the last act. So, you know, I'm not going to be dealing with the Kennedy records anymore. Um, so we're, we're asking the court to issue an order, um, a couple of things. We're asking him to prevent the transparency plans from going into effect um, and actually to, to rule them avoid um, because they don't you don't comply with the law. We're asking him to order the archives not only to go and follow up on the searches that the um, uh, the review board had had started in 1998, but also when researchers contact the um, the, the National Archives and they say, hey, how about this record? If they, they just look to see if it's in the collection. If they don't, they say use, use the Freedom of Information Act. And Congress specifically said they, they were passing this law because the Freedom of Information Act doesn't work. 
and the national security executive order that presidents sign um, also prevents the release of records. So even when they get a reasonable basis to believe there's a record, they don't go after, they don't that's search for unbelievable. it. unbelievable. That is, I mean, uh, that's just, it reeks of a cover-up and of secrecy. We're talking with Larry Schnapp. What is President Biden's rationale for not releasing these records essentially ever, essentially permanently violating the law that Congress passed, I think unanimously, 30 years ago. Why, why is President Biden saying he did this? He is claiming that, and, and, and he, I, I'm sure they're saying this, he says that the National Security Council and the agencies have told him that these records contain uh, information that if released, uh, would pose a severe uh, harm to national security, and that it's a such such consequence of such gravity that it outweighs the public interest in having this information. And essentially, he is coward. These are incredulous claims. They're claiming that if a person's these people are eighty and ninety years old now, and they're claiming that if some of this information comes out, that these people their their lives are going to be at risk. I mean, you know, the, the claims are incredulous. He's cowering to these incredulous claims of the security. He has a bust of Robert F. Kennedy sitting in his office, one of the bravest men um, that this country's ever ever known. He, the man, stood up to the mafia, knowing that he was potentially put in, putting his life at risk. And in fact, that's probably what happened to him. Um, he's got this bust of this man, and he's cowering before the National Security Council, because this is the way it works. The president, the, the, the order is drafted by the National Security Council. They give it to the president and then give him my talking points. Here's why you have to sign this. And he signs it. Um, in fact, that even happened with Donald Trump. I mean, some people like Roger Stone recently said that. Yeah, you know, actually, let me, um, let me just interject here. Yeah. Roger, uh, who does a show on uh, WABC in, in New York on the weekend, he actually recently interviewed Donald Trump on this subject. This is what Roger asked him about declassifying those Kennedy documents. Usual is you wait till death. You wait till everyone's gone and you do it. No, I'll be doing that very early on. But I did do a lot of it. Some people think it's bad that I did it. You know, it's it's uh, that's why they have menus in restaurants, right? Everybody's different. You choose a different food. You choose a different whatever it is. But uh, but got a lot of credit for doing it. But I'll be doing the rest as soon as I get into office. Larry, uh, putting aside the menu and restaurants portion of that comment, is the president with the former president accurate there? Did he release a lot of documents? And if you're an advocate for disclosure, do you have a rooting interest in Trump getting elected on that issue? Um, some records were released under his watch. Uh, and to be fair to President Biden, they dumped and I think it would maybe result of our lawsuit. They dumped about 3000 documents. Uh, well, they released 3000 documents. Uh, in June, in two batches, most of the most of the all the records that were released had been previously released, and they had some some less redactions. Um, but President Trump also told uh, Roger Stone at a different time that uh, he had to um, he had to uh, postpone the records because of what was in there, and 
<clears throat> that isn't actually what happened because I have I filed a lawsuit several years ago um, to get the records from the Trump postponements. And <clears throat> unfortunately, when President Trump was tweeting that he was going to release the records, the National Security Council had already written a draft order uh, for his signature to postpone the records. And they basically wrote a memo for the Na- for the archivist to sign recommending postponement. So it was all fixed, put in. And, you know, I think he was just saying that to the first time to Roger Stone because he was trying to explain why he had a flip flop. He basically was put in the corner. Um, I don't I don't have any confidence because he postponed the records before, um, you know, unless he's going to stand up to these guys and release the records. Um, you know, I, I don't feel a particular rooting interest in either one of these men now. Because uh, they both have a track record of of caving into the national security uh, bureaucracy and not releasing these records. You alluded to your theory. I mean, I don't want to speak for you, but it sounds like you think that the mafia played an element in the assassination of either John F. Kennedy or Robert F. Kennedy or, or potentially both. The thing that I've heard Robert F. Kennedy Jr. reference the most is that the CIA was likely involved in one or both of these assassinations. There are some people that believe that there was some element of collusion between the mob and some some people in the CIA. What do you what's your best guess as to how this conspiracy unfolded? I I don't think it was the white suits in the CIA. I mean, the white shirts or the suits, you know, I think there were um, rogue elements uh, because, you know, it's hard because of what happened in the early 60s. I'm sure because your listeners listen to you, they know that there was this alliance between the CIA and the mafia. Um, and I think on the operational level, there may have been some collusion between the mafia and the CIA. You know, they were training exiles. Um, and I think that at some, certainly Carlos Marcello was the one that felt the most pressure, him and Sam Giacana. But Marcello, um, you know, he was actually in, in a trial the day that Kennedy was killed. Uh, he bribed a juror to get, to get acquitted. But he was actually, you know, at the risk of, um, you know, going to jail. Um, so I think it was a combination of the both. I don't know whether the mafia paid for it, and then they used, um, you know, the people that the at the that the, uh, the the CIA organizational level had trained. Um, but it's hard to draw the line between, um, you know, where the mafia ended and where the CIA started. Um, I do know that the mafia, you know, they they knew that they had Hoover by the short hairs um, because he was he was betting on fixed racehorses that, uh, you know, Frank Costello, who was a big mafia man in New York, he was giving tips to Hoover and Hoover was betting on fixed races out in California. So they knew they had him. And Hoover's the one that actually shut down the investigation. I mean, he declared um, at around five o'clock on Friday afternoon, while the president's body is in the air flying back to D.C., and before the FBI has any evidence, he's, he basically declared that Oswald was the lone gunman. And uh, 
you know, they, he just basically at that point, uh, all the investigation went to support that that conclusion. So he controlled the entire investigation. There was a point where they were beginning to sniff around um, some of Carlos Marcelo's people in New Orleans and, and Hoover shut it down. So, um, you know, I, I think that they knew they were that they could count on the government to cover it up because it would have been too. Uh, you know, they, we could not in 1963, let the world know that we were trying to kill Castro. And it was actually in Bobby Kennedy's best interest as well, because a lot of stuff people didn't know about was going on with John Kennedy's life. Larry, I'm just about out of time, but I have to ask this. Let's say you're successful in this lawsuit and let's say you are able to get some of these documents released, maybe even in their unredacted form. What do you hope to learn in term from these documents in terms of solving the mystery? I mean, we don't think there's a document locked in a drawer uh, somewhere that says uh, Joe Blow killed John F. Kennedy, right? Yeah, I mean, the people that are involved would have been involved, both the mafia, they didn't write things down, and, and, and Harvey, when William Harvey, when he was running, uh, you know, Task Force W, he made sure no one wrote things down. But I think we'd be able to get information uh, from people that'll help uh, uh, paint the mosaic uh, and kind of fill in, you know, who Lee Oswald was. um, And I think we've been able to, you know, historians will have a fuller picture to be able to, you know, draw inferences from the pictures that, you know, we get from all the records. But right now we have an incomplete record. Well, good luck with your lawsuit. You got to keep us posted. I'm glad you're out there. I appreciate it, Larry. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me.